<laughs> that's staying. 100%. That's staying. <laughs> Start with the old, uh, the old uh, deer, that's the old a, deer mute. That's an estrus bleat. <laughs> that's what they call that. <laughs> the old estrus bleat. Yeah. Welcome back to another City of Hope Church podcast, everybody. Um, exciting. We are at the uh, the end of our book, Clay. This is part two of Cultural Renewal. We're going to be talking about pages 235 through 252. Uh, and, and before we get going, I, I do want to say this. As we uh, wrap up our podcast series with uh, the small groups and with the book, our goal is to continue with these podcasts. Of course, we, we post our weekly sermons every week, and then we've been doing these the small group series. But we want to continue this. Uh, we've got a lot of good feedback from from folks enjoying the podcast so we want to continue to use that platform and if you have topics that you'd like to hear about questions uh, don't hesitate to let us know you can send us a message uh, via facebook or instagram you can email us um, and and jeremy at cityofhopechurch.org clay at cityofhopechurch.org you can uh, email questions topics things you want to hear about there and so yeah we're going to continue uh, with these podcasts um, in the future so yeah, before we get started with this particular chapter, the end of this chapter, what's what's your thoughts on the book, oh buddy? Hey, what are you thinking about it? Um, well, I tell you, it's it's. I think both of these books that we've went through is is very good content. I'm a. I think that they have laid out some excellent groundwork for kingdom values. What it what it literally means to to know the gospel and live the gospel, and then understand you know, the way of Jesus and how that impacts us and forms us as human beings and as a as a body in society. And then ultimately, we're at the point here where it, it should flow out to transform the world around us. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's really good stuff. Um, it's laid out very well. It's very practical. It talks about some very deep things, but it also, it leaves you uh, feeling empowered, I feel like. So, so yeah, let's, uh, let's just dive right into it. I'm going to read the first paragraph from this chapter because I think it's a, or, or from, you know, this section of the chapter. The invitation to make and restore culture so that everything in heaven and on earth brings glory to God is an invitation reserved for, is, is sorry, is not an invitation reserved for the few or the powerful. All of us are created in God's image, image, and every Christian has been given back her job to rule over and steward the earth. Once we understand that our calling as Christians is to join Jesus in renewing and restoring culture, the natural question is to ask, how can I participate? And it begins here with um, you know, talking about Ephesians 2.10. We are all God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so, yeah, we all ask that question, you know, how do we participate in this? Yeah, God's God's obviously designed us, just like he says, we are created in Christ Jesus. Uh, God's workmanship, his poem, his handiwork, he's designed us in such a way that we are co-creators alongside of him obviously he ultimately is the creator but we are made in his image and we take the the raw materials that he gives us to make beautiful things and to cause human life to flourish and one of the beautiful things about that is that he's designed us all differently so that with our gift sets or the way that 
we the way that we live and work in the world like like there's so many things that I cannot do you know there's a couple of things that I can but then I get to receive the gifts that other people have that I can't do and when we work together I mean it, it really brings glory to God and causes us to rejoice not just in what God can use us in but what God is using in the others around us mm-hmm. uh, so there are good works that he's designed and created for us uh, to do but it talks about one of the primary ways that he uses us and that we live out our discipleship is in the workplace because you know as he says you're going to spend more time with the people in your workplace than with your very own children your spouse or your friends yeah that's i think that's something we probably know but like to to read that and really understand like you're spending more time in your workplace than with your own family that's 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 pretty heavy. And it gets the best of your life. I mean, that's one of the things, like a lot, a lot of women nowadays, you know, my wife included, they, it's be, and it's because I think vocationally, as he'll talk about later, women, women feel a strong, um, a strong desire within to be a homemaker and to be, uh, a, mm-hmm. a mother and a nurturer. And so when they're giving all their time to work, they feel that they say that out of their mouth. I give all the best of my time and energy to this workplace yeah. as opposed to my children and my home and my family or, or my, you know, or ministry or whatever. And they, and they kind of feel a discrepancy there. And I think sometimes Christians can get a little bit discouraged because they see a separation between their workplace and ministry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think there's something to be said about, about all that. And they talk about that in here a little bit, but, but obviously you have to consider that because everybody is looking for, meaningful work when yeah. people are unemployed or they're underemployed that underemployed thing is interesting because because honestly most of my life i've felt underemployed I've, I've always sort of felt like what i do i'm not i'm not reaching you know what i'm saying my maximum mm-hmm. potential yeah and, and things like that is, is but but deep down it just it just sort of points to the fact that we want meaningful work we want to feel productive in society god has designed us in such a way where we we offer something. We bring something to the table. And when you feel that, you feel more content. You feel more fulfilled in life because you feel like you're producing something of value yeah. for other people to reap, reap the benefits from. Yeah. Yeah. I th- I think something that really just – and it's something that I've known for a while, but I think a lot of people and what we naturally tend to do is we separate our lives into categories and mm-hmm. I've talked about this several times and used different examples, but we, we have a, in our lives we have a category for all these different things from our job to our family to our hobbies and this and that. And we have a separate category for God, uh, yeah. for church. And, and really what needs to happen is every category fit into God. And as a Christian especially and and he'll go on to talk about and we'll read some things but but you know I think people sometimes feel so disconnected because it's they do have those categories and and when you when you realize that that no matter what you do is, as a Christian if you're looking at it from the standpoint of you know and I, I really love what he says right here um let me read this I'm going to I'm going to jump ahead for just a second. But he says, Christians are meant to have a conscious conscious filter which seeks first the kingdom of God. Um, 
that just that language there of you of having a filter I, I think sometimes we go into even when i was in college and when i was in college i was trying my best to follow the lord but it was still as if I was thinking about, you know, what kind of job is going to give me the most money. And, you know, it's like the American dream kind of mindset where we're not, I wasn't filtering my decisions on on the basis of how how is this going to go towards what God is calling me to yeah. for the kingdom. Yeah. It, it, it was not about that. And so when we're seeking all those things first and we just have God in this category of our lives, I mean, inevitably, we're going to feel, I think, discontentment and just kind of like we're not being. And, but when you, regardless of, of what it is, if, if you say, okay, you know, I really feel God leading me into this direction. Maybe you're not making the most money. Maybe it is a type of work that it doesn't yeah. seem, it's not highly elevated or this or that. But you, when you can lay down at night and you have a sense of peace and, and stability in the sense that, you know, I really feel like I'm, I'm at where God wants me and I'm doing what he's equipped me to do. I mean that's powerful, yeah. And 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 that, and I think there's always a battle with that. I think you know Paul writes that to Timothy about about contentment uh, because he's pastoring a church in Ephesus, and that's difficult because you know when when God so I was my plans were to go to law school and become an attorney, and I thought well I'll make pretty decent money, like my dad did doing that, and then the Lord saved me, set me free, delivered me, and I, and a strong calling came upon my life that it was undeniable. Mm-hmm. And then throughout my life and on this journey, I have never been able to get away from that calling. And it's actually caused me to have to turn down things that would lead me into greater money, you know, greater career, whatever, several times. And, and, and I'd like to be able to tell you that I just have always had the purest heart and that didn't aggravate me, but it, it has aggravated me over sure. uh, because I've had, but at the, but at the end of the day, there is a peace because the Lord will constantly remind me, son, this is your calling and you're working for a reward that you may not fully see in this life. Mm-hmm. And ultimately that money is deceitful. And, and, and even though sometimes it can be a great blessing, it's not, it's not what you think it is Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and, and it's not going to give you what you think it will give you. And I will supply all of your need according to my riches and glory. And so I have to constantly be reminded of that in order to pursue calling over certain things that, Mm -hmm. that continually pull at me. And that's one of the things that, that he lays out here, um, is that there there are three words that tend to be used interchangeably that shouldn't be vocation career and job but vocation is the most profound of the three because it has to do with your calling it's what you're doing in life that makes a difference for you that builds meaning for you that you can look back on in your later years to see the impact you've made on the world a calling is something you have to listen for you don't hear it once and then immediately recognize it you've got to attune yourself to the message and um, so, so that's kind of what he's laying out. Um, mm-hmm. What what is what is your calling? Um, he talks about that. Uh, Frederick Frederick Buckner says um, the place the place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Mm. And so for yeah. for me, when I you know probably about a year after I got saved and really converted and filled with the Spirit. Uh, it was so strong, uh, God's call. I knew I was called to teach and to preach the gospel, 
and I really, like I said, I didn't have a lot of knowledge. I wasn't good at it. I'd never done it, mm-hmm. but it was there. It was, it was very strong, and I knew it, and the Lord had given me given me some vision behind it. He had a dream that confirmed it. He had a lady that come up to me when I was dealing with it to prophesy over me that concerning it. Mm-hmm. So it, it was solidified and, con- and confirmed. Uh, but, but see, so, so let me, let me talk about this. Like, cause you, that thing that, that you feel fulfilled in when you do, when you serve that, that says a lot, uh, what, whatever that, that could, and that could be a lot of different things. I mean, obviously for me, it's, it's your typical, Church, what everybody views when they see a church ministry or whatever they mm-hmm. think of teaching or preaching or that guy's doing real ministry and I, and I want to I want to talk a little bit about that moving forward but like let me say this so so when I got into like full-time church ministry as you would say or pastoral ministry there's a lot of things that that you do in it that you don't realize you're going to do that mm-hmm. you're just like no 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 I I ain't actually called to this yeah. you know this isn't uh, and for me, like, you know, inheriting this, this church, City of Hope Church, and, and by that I mean all the externals of the building and the program and everything like that, it entailed a lot of things that I did not feel called to, man. Yeah. I didn't feel called to getting on a roof regularly and patching it and yeah. and, and, and fixing, fixing leaks, yeah, and, fixing running leaks and running cords and and uh and and just doing all this stuff and building building stuff like i did not feel called to any of that it's not it's not i don't get any joy out of doing it um like i just don't yeah um I, some things i have to do i have to clean toilets sometimes but it's not something that i get great enjoyment out of but i've learned over the years to just rejoice in it you yeah. know what I'm saying? Regardless, and sometimes you have to do some tasks uh, that you don't necessarily want to. But like I remember, so I, when I first started here and making very, very little money, I, I got like a, a little side job working at Beth's Blessing uh, where they brought me in as the house pastor. And I got to teach and, and speak and preach. And at one time it was a women's facility. At one time it was a men's. But both times, I mean, I would go there you know, eight or nine a.m. and then counsel people and teach and not get home sometimes till till six p.m. or even later because I would stick around talking to these people, and I would work a day here at the church just cleaning up and doing random menial tasks and just feel like, you know, just uh yeah. But I would I would work day around the clock down there, and when I got I got home, I was on fire. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm bubbling over. Because because that's that's my calling to minister to people one on one to counsel them to walk them in into the freedom that Christ gives and to help people with some of their deep issues that's just something that the Lord's put into me yeah. and and to bring biblical counseling into life situations and so when I do that it's almost like there's a reservoir there where it where instead of being drained it actually sort of fills me up mm-hmm. it's the other thing so I think I, I think that speaks a little bit into calling but but all of that being said it's easy to look at ministry like that and say well you know Clay's called into the ministry I'm not but I think it's important to understand that we're all different we all have different callings but just because they don't seem like it's church ministry or preaching or teaching or counseling or whatever that it's that it's not of God um, so like Eusebius of Caesarea described two types of vocations, the Vita contemplative. And he said, that's like the priests and the monks or whatever. That's, that's me. Right. But then the Vita active were, were uh, dedicated to action, governing, farming, trading, soldiering, homemaking. And Martin Luther wrote, 
the works of monks and priests, however holy and arduous they may be, do not differ one whit in the sight of God from the works of the rustic laborer in the field or the woman going about her household tasks, but that all works are measured before God by faith alone. Mm. And I was reading um, something that John Tyson had actually written just uh, earlier, but he, he had quoted uh, a different Martin Luther. You guys realize Martin Luther is the reformer, white dude in Germany back in the 1600s, and then Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. is civil rights movement leader from the 1950s and 60s. And Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, said, um, if it falls to your lot, he said this to a bunch of children in junior high school. He said, if it falls to your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Mm. Sweep streets like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. Mm. And, That's and, powerful, and, and that man. Is. And so the point being is, you know, if you're a school teacher, if he's called you to the medical field, if you're a nurse, if you are a janitor, if you are a manager at McDonald's, if in, whatever you are doing, there God can infuse that. But 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 He has a calling in your life within that realm and within that dimension where you can minister the gospel to those people, but the service that you have on a daily ba- basis, you can do it unto the glory of God and do it well. Yeah. And angels take notice. God takes notice. And, and you can find, I think, enjoyment and fulfillment in those things uh, that you find yourself doing. And, and, and we don't want to separate this, this sacred from the secular. We, we need people in all these places in the world whether it's or like it, whether it's in education or government or or just in random jobs, if you're waiting tables in a restaurant, whatever it is that you're doing, mm-hmm. you want to do that to the glory of God and understand that there's there's often calling in those very things. And that I mean, and that's that's how cultures changed. It is everybody realizing that, right. and um, yeah, that's I mean, and, and it speaks to like we were saying too. You know, we're a body. And and we're all you know different, and you know even talking yeah. about this building, for example, there's there's guys um, that that are here, you know, shout out to Sheb Centers, and you know that it's yeah, up here like, all the time, and they they find a lot of jo- and, and 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 speaking life into things, and they they yeah. love that type of work and, and being involved. Yeah, and, I'd get I'd get aggravated at stuff, and Sheb would just be over here smiling about it. You yeah, because because it, it. yeah because he enjoys doing those things. And you you know shout out again to to Ryan Gay who comes in here and that's I talked to him on the phone because he came in and installed some uh, uh, what are they the partitions yeah. in the in the bathroom yeah and like that's not an easy job that's not no. something that I look at and think oh that'll be enjoyable and easy yeah and he did it and it took him several nights to do and I think he got some buddies from a yeah, small I think group to Brian help him. came down and helped and maybe and, some others but he you know when I talked to him about it I'm like dude we probably need to pay you for that that's heavy he's like no man that's that's my offering you know what I'm saying? That's that's his. That's he. Yeah. F- he he feels like that's his gift, and it is and his it, gift. It is. It yeah, is his it gift. Is. It is his ministry. It is his calling, and he's and it's even deeper than that. He has more more gifts, and he and he ministers the gospel in different ways. Uh, but man, he has that on his life, and and I can't do those. I can't serve that way. Yeah. But he he feel. You know what I'm saying? He senses God in that when he does those things, and so I think I think everybody has to find that. And um, so, so speaking on that, like, how would you 
because I think when it, when it comes to like the something I always wrestle with like growing up was like the will of God mm-hmm. and your calling and like how I guess practically speaking like how does a person go about like finding like maybe you're in a position where it's like okay yeah I'm trying to use my position right now even though maybe I don't like where I work or I, I, I'd like to eventually do something different like how do you get to a place where you're like that become I guess your calling becomes because I think even me like we've had this conversation even a couple of weeks ago I think my own calling here is like still being refined in ways yeah like there's things I feel extremely confident about like the project hope videos for example the testimony stuff like I have yeah. a lot of vision about that stuff I feel really fulfilled in doing it I feel called to do that yeah. but there's also like I, I guess because you the will of God ultimately in terms of us being you know, Christians and re- the very things we're talking about, representing God to the world and, and, and sharing the gospel with people, that's like a a, a big, you know, even, um, you know, Cole that spoke, spoke at youth last night talked about like macro and micro uh, plans for your life that yeah. God would have, you know. Then there's some there's big picture stuff that may be the same for all of us in terms of reaching people for the Lord. But it when you get down to the details, it's going to look different in every person's life. Yeah. So maybe like ha- talk about how you you come to find that. So yeah, I think I think it. Let me say a few things on that. One, you you don't want to get frustrated with the will of God when you're not currently in in some sort of measure of intimacy with the Lord because first and foremost your calling beyond anything is to love God mm-hmm. and and so everything in us you know delight yourself in the Lord the scripture says and he will give you the desires of your heart you're going to find who you really are and and lie, come into alignment with the will of God when your when your ministry and your calling and your love and your devotion is first and foremost to him so you're coming to him with an open heart. You're resting in the salvation of Christ. You have you have a prayer life where you're communicating with God. You're seeking his face. And when you're doing that, see, see, me coming into the ministry was not was not me saying, man, what, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Mm. No, I never did that. Me coming into the ministry was a result of me wanting to know God. And I wanted to know truth. I wanted to be set free from sin. I wanted to know truth. I wanted to know God and know him intimately. And I pursued him and sought his face so earnestly that it just became clear. It it came to the surface of my heart, and it was overwhelming. And I wasn't looking to do anything with my life, mm-hmm. honestly. But then it just it emerged, yeah. and it rose to the surface. And so I would say first and foremost, one, develop your relationship with God. Be content with wherever you are at right now, mm-hmm. but develop your relationship with the Lord. And the more you seek him, the more you're going to find him. The more you knock, doors are going to be open, and paths are going to become clear. But if you're just trying to kick doors in and figure out, man, what's the will of God, what's the will of God, and you're not like actively in a relationship where you're just wanting to love and know God, it's you're going to get confused. It's going to be difficult. Yeah. I'll also say that I think that the will of God comes in seed form. There's certain things that He asks you to do, you know, to move into and and to serve and to love and 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 to do these things. And it just and it just because even right now there's things in my life that like this morning I was even thinking about. You know, is there is there more that you're wanting me to do, God? Is there more beyond? And I th- and I know that there is. I know that there's more beyond even what I'm doing right now, just in pastoral ministry of this church. 
is it counseling? Is it writing books? Like, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's, yeah. there's more out there that the Lord is, is, is inviting me into. And I think there's even freedom of choice because I think the will of God is not so much a tightrope as it is an interstate. You can switch some lanes and move in and out, and there's room for growth and development. No, that's good. And and, and seeking Him, and um, and and even when you veer off, He can easily, you know, navigate you back on track and pull you over. He's got like that that new stuff on those vehicles, that steering, you know, the lane, yeah. the lane assist. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord's got lane assist. He'll pull you back in. Yeah. But uh, so, so yeah, I mean. And I think you just be patient with it because if you seek the Lord, that stuff comes to the surface and you start to sense it. He, he, he starts to bring those desires in your heart because you're delighting in him. Yeah. And then the doors just begin to open. And But when you have a very strong calling, just like you said with, with Cole, I think he reminds me of myself when I was his age because I had that strong calling, dude, and you're just ready, son, yeah. to run through a wall. And I love that, that I see that in him, that, that fire and that passion to preach God's word, to speak at every opportunity given. And it's almost like you have such an eagerness about you because the call is so strong that you're, you're trying to find it. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes you can maybe even get ahead of yourself. I know I did several times. But you want to maintain that passion and fire, but just really seek the Lord and let him open the doors at the right time. Be con- if you're in a job that you think, man, this stinks, well, one— let God refine your character in that. Yeah. Like learn learn to learn to practice contentment and love people and be a joyful person even when your job situation isn't ideal because mm. it may never be. Yeah. But but what's more important is your character and you reflecting the image of God in a place that you don't like. Yeah. Than you just having a job that you love. Yeah. Because I mean, people throughout history. I mean, Paul, I doubt really liked his situation in certain his circumstances. Yeah. But he showed love in darkness. He was light in darkness. So God may have you at a difficult place for this season. One for for the refining of your character, but two for the light that you shine into other people's hearts in that place. Mm-hmm. So I said a lot. Did I answer the yeah. question? <laughs> yeah. You you did. I think so. Perfectly. Um. Yeah. Because I mean. And that's what I'll say. Like, I think my journey was more like the seed form you talked about. Mm-hmm. And looking back on it, it was like, because at first I never I never had that real strong sense like you just talked about. Like, oh, you, you got to do this. And I was just like on fire for that one thing. Yeah. For me, it was a little bit different. It was more like a, it was a, a path. That, so at first I've, I really feel led into to teaching and kids and, mm-hmm. and that kind of ministry and, and really felt confident that I was going to be doing that. Even, you know, got my principalship and, and done those things. But as time progressed, things began to happen where the Lord was showing me that it was not about, it was never about a position, right. that it was always about this process of, of the Lord just opening these different doors. And now I'm in this position here at the church now. And that, it just, that, through my relationship with God and seeking Him, that's it was a natural path that began to develop. Yes, and and it, it was something I could I couldn't look back on and just like pray in. Oh, now I found this. It was something that I I had to live through things in order for where I'm at now to develop and and in order for me to grow into it. Yeah. Um. But and that's the thing. No matter what your position, there's going to be positives and negatives. In terms of the position itself, yeah. uh, just like you said, you know, it's not it's not fun to have to clean up toilets and stuff, you know. But that's you know, it's a part of it's a part of it, you know. There's, and it's a there's, part of personal formation. Yeah. Every day can't just be 
uh, sunshine and rainbows. Yes, and just walking <laughs> on clouds and, and immense joy. You have to learn to find joy in in the mundane. Yeah. And the things that you don't like to do. Yeah. And and the things that are a little bit uncomfortable. Because uh, if you just run from those things all the time, you'll ne- you'll never have the the rigor and the worth e- work ethic that it takes to actually move forward and progress. Mm-hmm. And that's difficult. I'm not saying that I have the greatest, I don't have the greatest attitude all the time about everything that comes, but I am growing and the Holy Spirit does continually teach me these yeah. things and talk to me about these things. Sure. And thank God for that because I've, I'm a big work in progress. Yeah, we all are. Uh, but yeah, I think just moving on, um, talking about that so from that place we start to talk about cultural influence and because what we do on a daily basis we we're looking for cultural renewal and so wherever we find ourselves in how how we act and how we live in the world is going to have cultural influence uh but so there's a guy james davison hunter wrote a book uh, called to change the world and he suggests that american evangelicals tend toward three false starts and so basically he says the first false start is cultural renewal by means of evangelism alone so basically we can just go out share the gospel with people try to get them saved mm-hmm. and that'll change culture and he says that's good obviously we want to do that that's a big aspect of what the church is but it's not it's not everything it's not everything for yeah. cultural renewal Secondly, we can legislate the kingdom of God by electing enough Christians in, into positions of authority, and then morality can be enforced and the people will change. Yeah. And even though it is good to engage in politics and get people that have godly principles and moral values in office and get legislation that moves that direction, absolutely, it's still not everything, and it won't necessarily change and transform culture. And then the third false start is, is social reform or the justice movement which is basically trying to guarantee an equality of outcome, uh, not just equal, equality of opportunity. And so there are elements of trying to trying to implement justice and, and reform in society. But again, what he's, what he's getting to is uh, that none of these three tactics can change the world because flawed presuppositions underlie their strategies. The mm. foremost error, Hunter says, is the idea that the essence of culture is found in the hearts and minds of individuals. And he starts to talk about institutions. So the point that he ends up making is that the only way to bring about cultural renewal, really, is by groups of people living in cities on purpose with shared vision and framework of what the world should be like and actively working in overlapping networks of rich relationships. And so, you know, and he calls it the creative minority. Um, but... But he's saying you you've got to get you got to get into the world so to speak like yeah. you, you've got to take root in the educational systems in government in media in all the world and not just be people that go to church and then try to try to you know go door to door and evangelize people or get people elected to office no you have to live a transformed life and be scattered like seed into all the world into mm-hmm. every vector of society like we said. In order to to impact, because they they talked about the seven different dimensions, whether you know it's it's it can be entertainment, it can be education, it can be government, whatever area of, in the healthcare system. Like people need to be scattered throughout, but they need to be intricately connected to one another, saying we are going to live the values of Jesus, practicing the way of Jesus, living like Jesus lived, 
gather corporately but scattered into these different areas of society mm-hmm. to br- to bring transformation to culture all around and and so that's why you you know when you think about like people like for example not to i mean these they're good people but uh, you know mennonites or different people that practice this deep separation from the world itself mm-hmm. you don't want to conform to the world but you do you're in the world but not of it yeah so 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 you you're you're getting into these places that form and transform culture how i mean right now the elites honestly are shaping culture through through the educational systems we need people there you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying okay within government yes we need people there uh, we need people that are willing to raise our children and and be outliers in the public educational systems and and and, and all of those things. So he goes on, he's talking about like, you know, he even mentions uh, basically um, different groups. So he says, you know, you may ask, isn't Christians purposefully living together in cities in order to exert cultural influence coercive? Like, aren't we, like, we got a strategy here. We're trying to force people to believe like us, live like us. Isn't that coercive? And he says, but no, look at other people. And, and, and you know, I, I preached a message on homosexuality a little bit back, and I mentioned this book that he mentions about after after the ball. But basically the gay community made a decision, uh, and they had a particular event in Washington, D.C. in 1990, and 170 gay activists came together and created a, a plan to influence popular culture. Mm-hmm. I, read, I read those points that they made in the sermon specifically. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Look at how they've influenced culture. Mm-hmm. Our culture has been radically transformed because they sat down with a vision and implemented it. And where they started those things in those cities, those communities have now actually been so transformed that they call them gay communities. Mm. Point being is, if they can do that so well, what can we do as Christian believers? If we had a plan, if we had a strategy, if we said we're going to live like this and we're going to try to implement this so that we actually transform culture and get people to live differently. Yeah. He said the Jewish community does the same thing. They work together and live near each other and work on shared things to preserve the culture and shape the larger culture. Uh, immigrant commu- communities move into a city together and work together to build uh, networks, and, and they want to, and, and they cast their own cultural vision to the world around them to preserve their language and their culture. And mm-hmm. you go to New York City, they have Chinatown. You know what I'm saying? They mm-hmm. have, it's, it's down there because they all live together. And, and they try to maintain yeah. and preserve their culture. And in doing so, they have influence on the culture around them. Um, so anyway, um, there's, there's a quote here. In the first three centuries of the Christian church, Christians were not so haphazard in their strategy. These first disciples sought to bring the gospel into every sphere of their culture and every sector of their society. Tertullian famously wrote, We are but of yesterday, and yet we have filled every place among you, cities, island, islands, fortresses, towns, marketplaces, the very camps, tribes, companies, palace, senate, and forum. We have left nothing to you but the temples of your gods. Every place was permeated with the good news of the gospel and the culture of the kingdom of God. Mm. So they spread. They became the leaven that leavened the whole lump. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that every place was permeated <clears throat> with the good news of the gospel and the culture of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And again, it just goes back back to that whole thing of it, it just can't be Christians going to church and then going out and living like the rest of the world. We have to 
realize that that we have a role to play and we have to be connected yeah. and together yeah. and realize what influence. I mean, there's a big difference between you know a Christian person being a teacher and going into the school and just going through the motions and doing their job versus a Christian teacher realizing that hey, I have the ability to be a light yeah. and cause change yeah. in this place. Yeah. Uh, and, and you don't just go through the motions then you realize yeah. that, hey, I'm I'm here for a reason. Right. Um, yes, there may be things that I don't like about it. And that's with with every position. And there's so many distractions. Satan easily distracts us with things and he not and, and we get we get offended or distracted or we don't like our job or this or that and, and we get so in we internalize everything and get so self focused that we forget, now who am I here for? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe the Lord will move you out when he does, but until yeah. he does what are you there for? Yeah, to be aggravated. I don't, I don't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, and I'm speaking this to myself. Yeah. Well, I've had to say that to myself here before in the position that I'm currently in because mm-hmm. you think, well, I'm just not, I'm not getting what I want. I'm not. You know what I'm saying? You, it's so easy. Yeah. But what am I here for? If God wanted to move me, He certainly could. Could it be that I've not learned a lesson in growth yet that that I need to learn? Yeah. When you're in a place where the the you know the the culture of that that place and the atmosphere is a lot of negativity. It's not fun. And it's not. It can be. It can really affect you in a a, a bad way. So yeah, it's important to, to yeah. we have to constantly revisit this stuff and remember who we are and what we're called to do. And you know, like you said, be content and kind of really take advantage of yeah. every place that we're in. John Tyson says a creative minority is a Christian community in a web of stubbornly loyal relationships, knotted together in a living network of persons who are committed to practice in the way of Jesus together for the renewal of the world. So we just get united together, man, and we're stubbornly loyal to one another, and we're going to love one another, but we're committed to practicing the way of Jesus. We're going to love our enemies. We're going to pray for our enemies. We're going to be people of prayer and fasting and seeking the face of God. We're going to be worshipers. We're going to go out and pray for people. We're going to reach people with the gospel. We're going to be generous. All of these things that we're committed to in order to advance the kingdom of God. And, and we're and we're heading toward a, a very particular vision where where in the end heaven heaven invades earth. That's where we're moving. Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell you something. You know, I love what it says here on page two forty seven. It says the Christian life is directed toward a city. Mm. I'm gonna t- can I tell you a weird dream? Do we have time? Yes, go for it. <laughs> so when we're I here. when I was sixteen years old, I got a tattoo on the inner left part of my arm here. And that, man, that was the time in my life as a child, you know, I don't know. I got depressed and, and was, you know, drinking alcohol and doing drugs and stuff like that. And uh, 16 years old, I got that tattoo. And about two or three days later, I burnt the tattoo off. And uh, and it was just, it, it kind of represents a time in my life where I was just mega confused, identity messed up. I mean, just in, into all this stuff. Uh, and I got that scar on my arm. And. Not long ago, I don't know, a few years ago, I had a very vivid dream that I was in a tattoo shop. And I looked at that scar, and as I looked at that scar, it was like I was talking to the tattoo artist, and I was basically saying, you know, this sort of represents something in my life about my former life and, and all of the things that I was that, I'm, that I no longer am because, because of what Jesus has done. And I'm telling him that. And I said, but I just don't, I want to get a tattoo over it. I said, but I just don't know what to get. And he said, well, of course you know what to get. 
And I said, well, what is it? And he said, Jerusalem. And I said, Jerusalem? He said, yes, Jerusalem, and you'll get it in Hebrew letters. And I said, okay, that's what we'll do. And he tattooed Jerusalem right here on my arm. And when I woke up, it was almost like I had a revelation of Jerusalem. Now, I know what Jerusalem means. It means, it means foundation of peace. But Salem, Shalom, is, is, is much more than just peace. It's that whole, it, it is the vision that we're talking about. It's a renewed world in which there's no more suffering, no more crying, no more tears, and everything is completely renewed. And what, what God was trying to say is you're headed toward that city. Mm. Everything that was broken and burnt and destroyed and that represents depression and anxiety and fear of this world, like one day I'm coming and I'm putting a foundation of peace over all of that. Mm, that's and, good. And, uh, and, and, and that's where we're headed to what? The new Jerusalem. That's the city. Every, every human being on this planet is, is headed in two directions, either toward the lake of fire or the new Jerusalem. Mm. And, and, that's, and that's what you see in the book of Revelation. But um, that's, that's where we're headed. And so that means that if we're headed there in the end, right, then we're working now to bring that about as much as we possibly can yeah. in in the here. Yeah. So we're so, not just meant to just sit and wait till we die to no. get to go to this like place where there's angels and clouds and like it's it's no. much different than we I think sometimes imagine. It really is. And so I think you know worshiping God, creating culture, stewarding the new heavens and the new earth is what what God's called us to do and that's that's his calling on us and I think you know, in conclusion, here in the at the end of this um, chapter, talks about renewal, revival, and awakening, and and it does start simply by people getting saved, man. And we have to have such a heart yeah. to see people saved, and to, and to come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of their sins and and experience that. Um, and when people begin to get saved, it starts to have an effect. There's regeneration, there's restoration in families. You'll notice a lot of times, like, when people get first get saved and get on fire for the Lord, like even in our church, those are actually the people that start to bring more and more people. Like, it spreads to their family. Yeah. It's, it, it spreads to their friends, and they bring more people in. Oftentimes, sadly, it's the Christians that have been Christians forever that aren't reaching anybody anymore. Mm, they just get com- content, yeah. pl- complacent. complacent and- yeah, and, and so... But but then we have to move into revival and renewal. And, and, you know, he talks about this, and I think I talked a little bit about this in that sermon, the crystallization of, uh, crystallization of discontent sometime back. Yeah. Because I was talking about how every revival uh, that you see throughout history, it got to a place where they just said, you know what, we need an outpouring of the Spirit of God. Yeah. And, and they prayed and they fasted and they sought the Lord until the Lord showed up and did what only he can do. And, and you know, as a church, we have got to continue to find ways. You and I were talking about this earlier, just to stir that up and, and, and to seek God and to find, find means of praying and fasting together and believing God to pour out his spirit here so that he does something supernatural that's beyond us. Yeah. Because we can have good church services and, and good programs and even good small groups and good podcasts, and those will bless people, those will form people. You'll see some people saved. But when we get together and we come together as this creative minority and say, no, 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 this is it. Mm. I'm, I, I don't care if I have to take less money or I don't care if, if, if this thing is not 
not as good in my life. Like I want to seek first the kingdom of God, and we need to pray, we need to fast, we need to seek God together corporately. So not only does our church not just maintain or ultimately in 20, 30 years die out, but something breaks out Mm. from this body of believers deciding to seek the Lord with all of their heart that actually transforms a region and, and, and just permeates culture yeah because that's the call of every local body i I have no doubts yeah but how many actually step into that is a different situation but i know within the deepest part of my gut that the lord is calling us into it yeah that's good stuff it is that's good stuff so yeah follow up with us we want to pray together and, and just be in prayer for us as a church that we can make decisions you know that will that will lead us into this because we want we want everything that we've studied we want personal yeah. formation we want to practice the ways of Jesus but we want to see spiritual renewal in people's lives and in families lives we want to see social renewal in relationships and then we want to see it impact our city and, and see real transformation we want to see the drug addict get set free we want to see hundreds and thousands of people in our area that don't know Jesus come to know him and it just actually impact the culture the economy mm. what we do the things we love what people give their time and energy to we we want to see that happen. Amen. 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 All righty, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you on the next one.